Good evening, and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow the podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, be sure to follow and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. On tonight's show, we're going to be taking a look at who is hot and who is not heading into the playoffs. And we will start with the Metro Division, because the Metro Division is arguably one of the most chaotic things to read right now, especially with how much has changed over the past couple of weeks. The team that is most definitely uh, on the hot side, we're going to have to say, is the Philadelphia Flyers. And the Flyers are playing like one of the best teams in the NHL, which... If you told me that a few weeks ago, I probably would not have believed you. But with the emergence of guys like Nicolas Aubé-Coubel and the continued domination by guys like Sean Couturier, um, you've got Ivan Provorov refining his form again, some strong goaltending from Carter Hart. This is just a really nice deep team. When guys like Voracek and Giroux aren't really as crucial to to the team's success, and you have younger guys like Travis Konechny stepping up, and just really running the show, especially scoring-wise. And also, let's not forget that guy Kevin Hayes, who really got misused in Winnipeg. I I think that you have a very deep, well-rounded team. All of their forwards, in some capacity, seem to play a useful role, and that includes guys like Scott Lawton. Lawton, for a long time, I think, was something of an afterthought. You know, he's a bottom-six guy, and maybe he wasn't considered all that impactful or skilled. But right now he's helping this team achieve a level of dominance that really hasn't been seen in Philadelphia in many, many, many years. This is arguably one of the best Flyers teams that have come around in recent times, maybe even in the last five or so years, and it only seems to be getting better from here. Just how high can the Flyers soar? I'm not really sure, but they are kind of, in some ways, built a little bit like the Jets were a couple of years ago. Although, of course, the Jets had more scoring talent and were probably a better all-around team. That said, the Flyers don't really have many other teams in the East to really worry about. The team that is most definitely not hot are the Washington Capitals, and I believe they're actually tied right now with the Flyers in the standings. The Caps are in something of a very serious rut, and it's the kind of rut that I'm not really sure that they're going to break out of. Washington is in no small amount of trouble right now because the Caps basically look like they're in total freefall. The defense is completely missing, the goal scoring has been there, but... Um, things like the power play and the penalty kill are, are just atrocious. The defense conceding high danger scoring opportunities and guys like Evgeny Kuznetsov not doing his job in, in backtracking and marking his man only contribute to make things worse. This team is also extremely undisciplined. I mean, they're one of the most penalized teams in the NHL, and when your PK is really bad, it's not exactly a surprise that the Caps are like 3-5-2 and two in their last 10 games. Washington is in serious danger of getting run out of the division and really run out of the first round of the playoffs. The Caps are going to have to figure out some way to right the ship, and that probably means that they need to think long and hard about whether or not uh, Todd Reardon is the guy leading this team forward. I know that the Caps only have a handful of games left, but let's be honest, Washington looks kind of lost in a lot of respects. They just lost in overtime to the New York Rangers after surrendering a five-goal performance to Mika Zibanejad. The only reason they even got a point out of it was because, well, Alexander Ovechkin decided that he wanted to score two goals, one of them right at the, uh, right, really at the death knell. So I, I think that you have to think that this team is not really playing any sort of sustainable hockey, and the goaltending, you know, good as it has been from Braden Holtby, 
really isn't enough to cover the rest of Washington's sizable holes on the on the back line. I mean, this team just seems to be mired in some kind of a funk that goes deeper than than just systems changes. I mean, there's no passion. I think the forwards looked very slow. Um, there were a lot of really sloppy passes, really selfish and stupid penalties, just not really the kind of thing that you want to see. Kind of on the surprise upswing, I'd have to say, is uh, the New York Rangers, who, again, just won against the Caps tonight in overtime in a really wild game. But I have to say that the Rangers being decent to good is kind of a surprise because when you look at the way that they're coached and you look at the way that their team really doesn't defend all that well, it's kind of surprising that the forwards actually get as much offensive pressure. It does seem like Dan Quinn found, uh, after some injuries and stuff, a winning formula and a lineup that he likes, and that seems to get pretty good results. And I have to say that, of course, our Timmy Panarin is always going to be a major difference maker, and really Panarin's been absolutely outstanding for the Rangers. But then they pick up guys like Adam Fox, and I guess Fox is is the best defenseman since Ryan McDonough, and I'd be curious to know if he actually might even be a bit better than McDonough. I mean, obviously he's better than McDonough was kind of later in Ryan's career, but if you were to look at where McDonough was in his prime, does Fox start to approach some of the same level of performance, or does he even exceed that? Not really sure. I'd have to look at historical comparables. But Again, improving on on your defensive unit like that for the cost of nothing really except cap space and some low end lower end assets and picks. I think the uh, the Rangers have done really well for themselves, and it also helps a lot that Fox wanted to be a Ranger anyways. I do kind of wonder if the the Rangers are jumping the gun on the rebuild a little bit. I'm not sure that they're all that close to being ready. I think that Zabanajad is very good. Obviously, Capocacco eventually turning his, uh, you know, early career around would be a, a major milestone for that squad. Um, Filipino doing better would be important. I think that they have a lot of depth pieces or guys who are playing in depth roles right now that they really want to elevate and become much higher end players. That said, I don't know. I just feel like they're maybe pushing things a little too quickly along. Uh, resigning Chris Kreider to a long term deal definitely says that they think. Maybe their rebuild is done, and I'm I'm not really convinced on that yet. Their defense is still kind of a tire fire, and I'm not really sure how much I love the bottom six unit. Even the top six is probably not as full as it could be, so I, I think that the Rangers can play fun hockey. I, I think that's absolutely true. I just don't know if they're really in a position to contend, especially when Henrik Lundqvist is probably getting towards the end of his career, and the alternative is Shesterkin, who is very good, and I mean, he's shown very well in an early sample size, it's also putting a lot of pressure on a young rookie, and maybe Shesterkin is ready for this whole starting role, uh, I, I think that they kind of feel that way, especially going forward, but it's just a lot to expect, and I think the Rangers maybe are rising a little bit too quickly, they might need to pump the brakes next season, and sort of get expectations a little bit under control. If they make the postseason in some sort of weird magical sequence this season, I think that it's a, a just reward, but not something to read too much into. Next up is the Atlantic Division, and I can really only contend that one team is definitely up compared to the rest, and that team is going to be the Boston Bruins. I don't know how the Bruins continually play really good hockey, but it's kind of ridiculous. I mean, the, the Bruins are just, I don't know... They're a model of consistency that's pretty atypical. If they don't play exceptionally great defensive or offensive hockey, then they have really amazing goaltending. Or if the goaltending is kind of, they've had you know an amazing top six with a really well-rounded bottom six unit to provide defensive stability. 
I'm not really sure that the Bruins have any notable weaknesses that I can think of. I mean, when they're inconsistent or struggling, they just seem to get contributions all up and down the lineup. Pasternak is having, you know, a Hart Trophy-worthy season. I mean, Patrice Bergeron is still very good. Marchand is amazingly productive. They've got guys like Charlie Coyle now, and McAvoy and Krug are great. Tuka Rask is playing out of his mind. I mean, this is just a really deep, well-balanced squad with a lot of depth. Krejci is having a really good season. I don't really know how you stop this team. I think that they are built for a deep playoff run, and I would not be surprised if they make it all the way to the cup finals. They have done it before recently. They could easily do it again, considering the Metro is pretty weak, uh, especially right now. And really, the only other two teams in the Atlantic that can really touch them are maybe Toronto and Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is definitely, despite their recent record, still one of the best teams in the NHL. And I think it'd be silly to, to kind of think of them as anything less than one of the most terrifying squads in the league. While their record hasn't been as strong in the past couple of weeks, I mean, this is still a team playing really great hockey, and there is so much scoring and offensive depth all throughout the lineup that you really can't bet against the Lightning to do something special during the postseason. I think last year was probably more of a fluke than anything, but if they go again this season, I have a feeling that whoever has to match up against them in the playoffs is going to have a very tough time. Toronto is kind of a weird one because the Maple Leafs are just chaos incarnate. I really don't know what to think about the Leafs, other than that they kind of remind me of Winnipeg. They have like zero defensive acumen, and it just seems like that team is all over the place in consistency. The back end is kind of a disaster. The goaltending hasn't been very good as of late. I just kind of look at the Leafs and think, that's that's either a team that's going to somehow make it all the way to the conference finals, or get swept in the first round, because honestly... Figuring out the Leafs this season has been something of a cipher. They're a very strange and puzzling team, is all I can say, but I, I don't know. Toronto is Toronto. They're the center of the hockey universe. I'm sure that they'll make at least uh, a couple of good showings in the play playoffs. I mean, I don't know. If they go far, it's going to be kind of come down to guys like Marner and Matthews stepping up. John Tavares is still pretty good. But, I mean, that defensive back unit is just really, really rough. I like Tyson Berry in some respects, but it's clear that he's not really a top-pairing defender. He's probably more in like the Neil Pionk class of D, where he's very capable at one end of the ice and less so in the other. The wild card picture for the East is just total chaos, because the Islanders, Blue Jackets, and Rangers are all jockeying for the last two spots. And then there's Carolina, who has uh, around two to three games on the rest of the competition in hand. Whether or not the Canes can actually overcome their injuries and really their own consistency issues, really hard to say. I think that they're a very strong roster on paper, but something about the way that they've been playing recently hasn't been as good. It's kind of bad when, you know, the Rangers are ahead of you in the standings, even if it's only by one point and New York has played two more games. Still not great to be trailing them because they also have to catch up to the Blue Jackets and Islanders. So, Bit of an uphill battle for all those squads. With how much the Canes spent at the trade deadline, the additional injuries to guys like Brett Pesci for the rest of the season, it's just not making things all that great, and Sammy Vatten is injured for uh, at least a couple of more games as well. I'll keep my Pacific Division coverage pretty short because I think that, generally speaking, there's exactly one excellent team in this division, and that's going to be Vegas. Vegas just keeps finding ways to defy all sense of logic and reason. This team is just amazingly deep, and even with a coaching change, continues to play even better hockey, and now they have Robin Lerner in net to back up Marc-Andre Fleury. 
the Golden Knights really are golden, and I, I would not be shocked if they're the ones to emerge out of the West as the Stanley Cup uh, contenders. I don't know that anyone else can touch them pound for pound in high-end skill, scoring ability, uh, four lines of depth, and really just an excellent, strong offensive push with decent defensive uh, de- defensive outcomes. I would say that Calgary is pretty decent, but Calgary is also a little bit chaotic, and it's kind of hard to know what you're going to get with that team on a, a day-to-day basis. But they have shown a lot of grit. I think that they do have quite a bit of skill. Their defense, when it's functioning as you'd expect, is is not bad at all. It's pretty decent. I just don't know if it's going to be enough to keep them in a playoff spot, especially come towards the end of the season. The Flames and Canucks are both kind of in similar positions of having to fight for either the third spot in the Pacific or a wildcard spot, and I don't think that that fight really favors either squad. I think Vancouver's probably going to be in a little bit tougher, but I also wouldn't be shocked if the Flames just completely choke and end up slipping out of the postseason race. It's kind of hard to get a sense of uh, what these teams are going to do. I think that Calgary has the potential to be an excellent squad, but they haven't shown it consistently enough this season. They're on something of a relative hot streak in recent times, so I would say that that's probably something that Flames fans are, are, are looking forward to, but beyond that, I don't know. It's anyone's game at this point. The Yotes are definitely out of it, and I think that they have to think about the long-term future of what they want to do because while they do, you know, they are tied basically for the wild card spot with Vancouver, Nashville, and Winnipeg, I just don't know that Arizona really plays consistently great hockey, and it's going to be tough for them to really uh, claw back into this race if, if the Central Division or something locks those last two spots out. The Taylor Hall trade really hasn't worked out for them, and I'm just not sure that they have enough depth to really make a run in the postseason. Their goaltending continues to be a very big bright spot, but beyond that, I'm just not sure about the rest of the team. The Canucks are kind of decent. I don't know if I want to say they're up or down. I guess that they're kind of in a, uh, a bit of a down streak recently. Um, they've lost several games in a row, although it's obvious that Jacob Markstrom's absence is definitely having an impact on it. They're playing pretty decent hockey. It's just that their goaltending right now just isn't there. I think that they are probably the team at most at risk of falling out of the postseason. They might still sneak in, but again, they have a couple of really tough games ahead, including games against Winnipeg, so... Yeah, Vancouver has a lot of work to do and not a whole lot of time to make it happen. Now it's time for the division you've all been waiting for, and that is the Central Division, which has seen quite a bit of upheaval over the past couple of weeks, mostly in the wildcard hunt, definitely not in the top three. Our top two whose hot teams are going to be the St. Louis Blues and Colorado Avalanche, neither of which is surprising. Somehow the Avs keep winning games despite having like six goaltenders play for them over the course of the entire season, but the Avs have a really potent power play, and when you've got Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen just kind of putting up video game numbers, I don't think all that much more has to be said, but if we do have to say some more, I will say that Val Nichushkin has been an excellent bottom six addition for the Avs. He brings defensive stability and skill with an occasional highlight real goal here and there, but all around just a really good versatile two-way defensive forward. I also think that guys like Andre Burakovsky, who are putting, you know, 20-plus goals up for uh, Colorado in depth roles, which is an area where they traditionally have needed something more from, you have to like Colorado's approach here. And I think that the Avs play the game the right way. Even if their defensive results are a little eh with guys like Kale McCarr, they also have a ton of fast skating, fast countering, high-octane offensive firepower to compensate for the lack of 
well, let's just call it defensive acumen. Obviously, Eric Johnson is sort of waning in his career, and McCarr tends to cheat a lot. Girard is fine, but he's probably, you know, a number three defenseman rather than a top pairing guy. What they may lack for on the blue line, they certainly have in spades uh, going forward. There's a lot of offensive depth, and, you know, bringing in guys like Ka- uh, Nazem Kadri to, to really shore up their center depth just makes that team really, really deep, um, deep enough to cause issues with the style of play that they employ. All that said, I don't think the Avs are nearly as good as the uh, St. Louis Blues. The Blues are obviously the frontrunner for a variety of reasons. They have really strong defensive play. They've got a number of really skilled forwards, both in the top six and the bottom six. And they have a pretty decent goaltending in guys like Jordan Bennington. Jake Allen can occasionally be an NHL starter. Hard to say if he's actually going to be that should anything happen to Bennington. But overall, that's a very strong team, well-rounded. They play very good hockey and they've been on something of a tear recently. Well, really, they've been good for the entire year, but especially in recent times, the offensive chances that they're creating are starting to tick heavily up, and their goals against are are starting to decline a bit. St. Louis is just a nasty team, and I would not want to be the squad that has to face them in the first round, which would be Winnipeg if they make the postseason. Also on the surprising who's hot list is going to be the Minnesota Wild, and the Wild are actually winning right now 3-1 against San Jose towards the end of the second period. And the Wild have just been playing really good hockey. I think that they're a uh, surprisingly scrappy but effective team. They play pretty strong team defense. They have surprising offensive contributions from guys like, I guess, Alex Galchenyuk is technically an NHLer. But guys like Stahl and Parise, even Felino is effective in the role that he's been tasked to be in. Fiala, though, Fiala is one of the real big surprises, although anyone who actually knows what Fiala is capable of aka not the Nashville Predators apparently, knew that at some point Fiala was going to have a breakout, and he has most definitely found it with the Wild. I, I, I really like Kevin Fiala. I think that he's a great forward. He's got a ton of skill, and even though he did have a rougher start to life in Minnesota, I felt like he was going to be just fine and be a very good scoring forward, and he's been exactly that. Fiala was not all that expensive. I mean, it cost them like Mikhail Granlund and something else, I think, but Overall, Fiala's been a, a huge boon for this wild team that don't have Jason Zucker anymore. So, yeah, I think that they uh, they have a pretty good squad. I like Jordan Greenway. I think that he's like a, a really model, exemplary kind of big man forward that the wild tend to rely on a lot. Brodeen, Spurgeon, and Koivu are all veterans and all very good at their jobs. So I, I just think that there's a really well-balanced team that is slowly pulling itself even further into the playoff race. And right now, they're they're going to be closing in on Winnipeg here pretty shortly. As far as teams that aren't hot, I think uh, Winnipeg is going to have to be on this list because the Jets are just sort of, I don't know, they're not bad right now. They're just very mediocre. Uh, Well, maybe mediocre at best. Defensively, they can be something of a train wreck. Offensively, they've been okay at even strength. I wouldn't say amazing, but they're doing enough to get by. They're going to need the top six to start scoring with more regularity, especially as we get deeper and deeper into the playoff stretch. I think that if Shifley gets going at some point, that's going to be really important. Wheeler scoring would be good. Um, Line 8 starting to shoot more would be really ideal. He's passing a lot right now, and I think we want to see him score some more goals. Also on the not-so-hot list is Nashville, which is you know kind of funny because it's the Preds, but Nashville's just very inconsistent, and their defense is also pretty bad right now. They just beat Dallas, I believe, with the, a shutout or something like that. Yeah, it was a 2-0 shutout against Dallas. Nashville, I don't know. They're a hard team for me to get a, a read on. I mean, they're very inconsistent. 
and even when they are playing decent hockey, it's just mediocre. There's nothing special about them. I wouldn't be surprised if Minnesota beats both the Jets and the Preds out for the second wildcard spot should the Pacific hold that first one for the rest of the year. I don't know that that's going to happen. I think two uh, Central Division teams take the wildcard spots, but we'll see. There's a couple of games left for everyone. A lot of points are up for grabs, and the Jets are going to have to uh, win the games against these teams that they're chasing or that are chasing them and really put them out of the race. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go.